This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. If you ask me, the independent nurseries and growers of our world, especially those focused on helping us as gardeners, not only create beautiful gardens, but also gardens that contribute to the ecology of our places, well, these are some of our great national treasures. This week, following Labor Day, we celebrate these treasures wherever they may be in conversation with one, Barton Springs Nursery in Austin, Texas, where since 1986, the owners and staff have been raising both plants and gardeners right. In 2021, Barton Springs Nursery succeeded from its original founders, Bernadine and Conrad Baring, into the skillful and passionate hands of Amy Hovis, William Glenn, and Greg Thomas. I'm joined today by both Amy and William, who are here to share more. Welcome to Cultivating Place, Amy and William. I'm so pleased to be speaking with you both. Definitely. Thank you so much for having us. So it's been a couple of months since we saw each other there in Austin on a lovely kind of dreamy, rainy evening. And of course, at the time, we we weren't excited about rain, but living where the where we all live in Texas and Northern California, respectively, um, looking back on rain is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh my gosh, the best. <laughs> so, you know, I've introduced you both in a very basic way, uh, and there is a whole lot more to both of your engagements in the plant world. And so I'd love to have each of you start by if you can, giving us a distilled kind of mission statement for your own life personally in regards to its relationship with plants. If you were to give us such a mission statement, what would that be? Let's start with you, Amy. That's a wonderful question. Um, I think my mission statement right now is to spread the love of connecting with nature. I think that is what I'm trying to do with our work with Eden when we're designing landscapes for people. And I think that's what we're doing with the nursery in general. Eden is a garden design and build, Amy? That's correct. Yes, we do garden design and installation. And they are situated right next to Barton Springs Nursery. So we, I'm sure we'll hear more about the interface between the two. But first, let's move to you, William. Do the same thing for us. If you could distill down into some kind of mission statement your relationship with plants right now, what would that be? Well, um, yeah, and thank you for the kind introduction. That's really nice of you, and we're so happy to be here. Um, I would say that my relationship with plants is all-encompassing. Um, from the time I get up in the morning, it's it's dark, and I usually try to go out and plant something in the dark with the help of my porch light. Um, and then I come in, and, and we will be dealing with seeds and cuttings and um, learning about how to grow those things and spending all day learning how to foster the best practices we can here. Um, and ultimately to connect people with nature is the distilled version is to get people outside, enjoying the outdoors, appreciating the outdoors and uh, caring for the plants, the soil, the, and the entire environment. Um, we're really fortunate here that we have uh, a lot of uh, really active mm-hmm. gardeners mm-hmm. in Austin. And, you know, we talked about this in last week's episode as well, is there is a, a long standing 
again, ethos of good gardening, native plant gardening, low water gardening, high biodiversity gardening in the Austin area. It's one of those little meccas in our world. And I, I think you can attribute that directly to Lady Bird Johnson and the Wildflower Center and how that has been supported and grown these many decades. Would you attribute it to anything else, either one of you? We're very fortunate to be adjacent to the Wildflower Center, and they have done fantastic work and continue to do research and um, and help us every step of the way. But there's also a lineage here in Texas of um, great horticulturists, great botanists, great designers. Mm. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely as aligned with them as we can be. Each day we get to um, visit with somebody who's amazing, um, an author, a botanist, an ecologist, um, designers. And so um, there is, like you said, a great ethos here of um, protecting the environment, caring for it, and enhancing the beauty of your surroundings with native plants and good organic practices. I'm going to stay with you, uh, Willie. And before we get into um, the very current work of Barton Springs Nursery, I would love uh, to have you take us back a little bit in your own life. G give us a kind of brief highlight reel of your gardening life that brought you to a place where this would be a calling and an all-encompassing relationship. Wow. Um, so I was born and raised in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, annual rainfall of maybe six inches. I haven't checked lately, but a real desert environment, um, cool nights. So there were some some plants there that did really well, but for the most part, we were surrounded by creosote bush, sand, and lots of agriculture. And so my exposure young was was basically my mother who grew orchids and roses. And at a young age, I remember she would let me choose one rose every year from the Jackson and Perkins catalog. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but it really it really opened up something in in me that just the um, the idea of of shepherding a life and and watching the the dynamism the the changes each day and watching her put pine straw mulch on the surface of the soil and. Um, then there was a long time where music sort of took over my life, and um, and I moved to Austin for that reason. And um, you know, I, I didn't really have a bunch of connection with with the natural world. But um, when I decided I wanted to, you know, stick around, not be on the road all the time, um, I realized I just want to be outside. I want to work with plants, and I'm terrible at math. And so those things sort of directed me towards um, ultimately a, a career in horticulture. And I, I went to school for horticulture and soil science and uh, worked at garden centers concurrently. So I got really a good uh, practical and um, academic uh, foundation to, to work in this industry. Nice. And um Okay, so we'll 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 move to Amy, and then we'll come back to where that line of education, experience, and uh, you know, curiosity, passion intersect with uh, you three taking on Barton Springs. But first, let's go back to you, Amy. Um, do the same thing. Give us a little bit of an arc of where you were born and raised, and and the people and places and plants that grew you in the direction of garden design and then put you in a place where you wanted to not only do garden design, 
but add the the legacy of Barton Springs Nursery and their mission statements to your life as well. Okay. Um, having grown up and having grown up in Houston, I didn't learn about gardening and plants until I moved to France as an adult. So much later in life, um, I was married to a Frenchman, and his parents had the most lovely garden where they grew almost everything that we ate. And that experience directly informs how I design gardens and why it's so important to create space that brings our clients more connected to nature. While living in Paris, even though it's a big city, each neighborhood has a gorgeous park. And that's where you go to meet friends, have a meeting, and everyone is there together. You might see like an older man with children, a lady reading a book, people working, and people of different ages, but everyone was together. And um, those parks were a part of everyone's daily experience. And those gardens were just so breathtaking and my senses were just completely elevated. I didn't have any experience like that in Houston. And in, in Paris, those gardens would really just excite me and make the most it really any experience seems so special and important. And um, I think I'm just working to try to bring that back to um, everything that I do. The fragrance of the flowers, the crunch of gravel under your feet as you're walking through a garden there. Um, really, a whole world was opened up to me. And I think I'm still trying to bring that here to some extent the beauty of the parks in Paris and that democratizing or um, democratized, I'm not sure what that, how you conjugate it that way, but that sort of equality in landscape experience that you see in Paris and some of the other big European cities where this value is placed on plants, on design and on communal access and gathering in those spaces. And it is a beautiful illustration of, of why gardens are one of our great common um, grounds mentally and, you know, literally in place. And I think that is sort of similar in a way to what Willie was sharing about the value his mother shared with him about that great treat of being able to pick that one rose each year. And this is how our, our values are shaped in our lives, I think, and in our communal lives as well. And so I really applaud that approach. So let's stick with you, Amy. Share how you came to Eden and then at what point Eden intersects with the legacy and already sort of 35 years of history of great planting and horticulture uh, that was already taking place there at Barton Springs when you, Willie, and Greg took it on. I came to Eden Garden Design from the world of commercial construction. I owned a business doing steel fabrication and commercial design, and I was a general contractor. The switch into the world of plants was really life-changing for me. I was kind of obsessed with interior spaces and my brain was constantly focusing on how to change them and move things around. And so moving to the exterior world and the life of plants 
relaxed me and and literally changed the way that I think and um, was just such a profound experience in my life that I just wanted more of it and wanted to kind of share that with other people. Um, I've become determined to provide that opportunity to our clients with Eden. And it's funny because a lot of our clients really are just coming to us because they have a beautiful house and they want a beautiful landscape. And so our work at Eden has been to develop a design process that shows them that they can invite nature back in and share their landscape with the wildlife habitat that belongs there and the insects that also want to enjoy it. And so designing designing gardens is really kind of the, the fun part or the easier part, but really what's been interesting is to really try to get to know clients and figure out ways to get them excited about connecting with nature, connecting with their outdoor spaces. And so that's, um, that's, it can be challenging, but it's really fun because that's just been so transformative in my own life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And about what year, like if you think back to the point at which you began to recognize that working with landscape design and working with plants and putting your your mental skills around that kind of work was relaxing and regenerative for you. Sure. It's been about 10 years. And so the design process became just a completely different process because you can't control plants Mm -hmm. and you, you don't want to. And so that really focusing on plants and getting excited by them and interested in them and getting to know them, just that became more of my obsession. And that is so much more fun and it's so much more rewarding. And um, yeah, it just, it changed my world. I stopped um, focusing on some of the silly things that I was focused on design-wise and just became much more relaxed and now with the nursery it's just even more of that because we are outside all the time and we are really living in nature out there um and so that's even taken my life to a different level and it's really you know people study meditation and people study how plants are good for you it's really amazing how i feel that my life has been changed by this experience This is Cultivating Place. In celebration of the labor and love that goes into our independent nurseries and plant growing establishments across the country, making garden life better for us all, this week we're in conversation with Amy Hovis and William Glenn of Barton Springs Nursery in Austin, Texas. We'll be right back after a quick break for more, including the motivation for both Amy and William to own a nursery. Hard labor, but also deep plant love play their parts. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. Don't you love the motto, raise them right for a nursery? I do. I also love it as a great motto for us as gardeners with our gardens and the plants we bring to them.
We're back now to our conversation with Barton Springs Nursery in Austin, Texas, and two of its three owners, William Glenn and Amy Hovis. As we come back, Willie is sharing more about the history of Barton Springs. We owe so much to Conrad and Bernadine Baring. They were the founders in 1986 and really um, got things up and running on a shoestring budget and stuck with their fundamental mission, which was we can use native plants, we can have low impact gardening practices, we can be kind to nature. So what Conrad and Bernadine did was start a nursery that unlike many other nurseries, not only provided native plants, but propagated them here on site. And it was a a beautiful thing and it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of the quote unquote green movement. And they just built it brick by brick, plant by plant, and gained a a lot of respect in the community. As a matter of fact, some of our well-known designers from this area and some of the horticulturists and, um, you know, people who are just well-known in this industry spent time working here. Some of them, you know, as youngsters, teenagers, or people in their 20s, and went on to illustrious careers. And uh, they attribute a lot of their knowledge, particularly the more esoteric aspects of learning about these these native plants that when brought into a garden situation offer the same benefits as they would in nature you know hummingbirds butterflies bees you know the critters and and not using poisons so fast forward to about 2015 i was working at a a compost facility and um i learned that they were looking for a general manager here the same owners conrad and bernadine And so I came and interviewed. I just really wanted to be back in the world of independent garden centers. I wanted to be, like you said, under these magnificent oaks. And in the interview process, I told Bernadine, I kind of threw the dice out there and said, you know, I really want to to own a nursery someday. That's my dream in life, which it was. And, uh, you know, not everybody tells, uh, you know, their potential employer that they would like to potentially (laughs) be their competition. But um, she took it well, and I think she just sort of nestled that little kernel somewhere. And then in 2020, um, Conrad and Bernadine decided they were ready to retire, and uh, she approached me and said, hey, I remember you saying that, and um, we're going to be selling the place. Would you be interested? And uh, so, of course, I was, but I just lacked, you know, the business acumen, the um just a lot of, you know, a lot of the real nitty gritty of what it takes to run a business, particularly one of this size. And um, Bernadine mentioned to me that Amy had also asked, and Amy was our neighbor. I had admired her work from afar. They were really, you know, nice people and, and great neighbors. And I just thought that Eden had done fantastic work that I had seen and their reputation was platinum. And so she uh, and I began talking and eventually Greg joined us and we basically, you know, came together and, and made an offer and the bearings worked with us. And it, it has been very, very, um, it, it's one of the more beautiful things in my life that they mm. really worked with us. There was not a handoff. There's not, here's the keys. Good luck. <laughs> it was a lot of, um, you know, here's here's what we suggest you do. These are people that, you know, we've worked with for a while. So we 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 took uh, what they had done and we've tried to build on it ever since. And as a as a partnership, um, the three of us just bring unique skill sets. Um, my partners are brilliant and inspired and visionaries. 
and I, like I said, I just like plants in an all-encompassing way, and so it just it just felt very natural and very smooth. And it's been, you know, a lot of work, but the most rewarding experience, other than having my daughters, um, that I've ever experienced in my life. So it's it has been a wonderful journey, and we're greatly indebted to the bearings for their work in making the foundation. Right. And I think that the story of the bearings really um, kind of reiterates or illustrates what you mentioned in the very beginning of our conversation, Willie, that that this area of Austin, Texas, and it sort of radiates out from there, has this longstanding history of uh, good horticultural, ecological garden people and support, and they certainly are part of that legacy. And I just want to underline really slowly here what Willie said almost in passing that one of the key elements there is they propagate their own plants. Now, I'm not sure we'll get into that, whether it's all of them at this point, but the fact that that is part of the work is really interesting and increasingly, I think, unique uh, and and I think worth exploring when we get a little deeper into the nursery. So let's go back to you, Amy, and talk about this from your side as a garden designer and a garden build designer. I can see the the uh, attraction of having a nursery as part of your constellation of of work, you know, resources. Tell us about the process for you of of considering buying it, what that meant, and then how you and Willie and Greg came together to be this sort of trifecta to, to take it on. Thank you. Um, it happened just like that. Um, Bernadine came up to me one day and said, we're thinking of retiring. And would you be interested in this business? And I had always been interested in Barton Springs Nursery. It was one of my favorite places ever. And I saw so much potential as well. I loved the philosophy of what they were doing and what they had created and loved the people. And I was also, you know, really excited and saw so much that we could do in terms of creating um, a community center. Yeah, and yeah. these are the things that they believed in as well in the earlier days. And they did so much of that. And we just, you know, were excited about continuing that and really giving some new energy. And, you know, going back to my experiences in France of this dreamy idea of what if, you know, could we have this place in Austin where you could just go and study plants like Jardin des Plantes, where it's like mm -hmm. a museum of plants. Yeah. And um, you know, the idea of, you know, creating um, design spaces that would inspire people as well with their landscapes and make it more like a, a garden as well as a place where you would shop for plants, but have designed gardens throughout with, um, you know, signage so you could learn what the plants are and um, just make a community center where we could have educational talks and books and share knowledge. And it's, you know, it's happening. It feels um, every day that we're there, 
when we're not there, we want to be there. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but we love the place and the energy is just growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, we have this amazing staff and we're a bunch of plant nerds who love plants and get excited about, you know, everything plants and insects. And um, it's just, um, it feels like it's growing and growing. And, you know, it was all all because of the bearings, you know, starting this whole business and making it what it is. And um, as a designer, I just wanted to get in there and, you know, just make, make some changes in a fun way. And it's been the funnest design project I've ever had. That's for sure. I'd love to have one of you actually walk us through all of the different arms of what Barton Springs Nursery now entails. I would say that most of what we do here, um, whether it was done before or it continues to be, we, we've tried to update it and upgrade it. We grow probably about half of what we sell. We're a relatively small grower, just a couple acres here. So what we do is we try to focus on the harder to find, harder to propagate, really beneficial and native species so that they're available to the community. And um, unfortunately, I mean, I wish we had 100 acres where we could do that because we could certainly fill it with our dreams that we would like to have everybody have some of these um, native plants. And uh, But yeah, so the, the propagation that happens on site is um, conducted mostly in about eight greenhouses. And then we also have some refrigerators for seed cold stratification. And we have a lot of unorthodox approaches here, which is pretty cool. Conrad taught us a lot of, I guess you could say rogue methods. So whereas you might find sulfuric mm -hmm. acid being called for in yeah. a, a seed um, scarification uh -huh. annual, he used a weed whacker <laughs> in a bucket. And that was something I'd never seen before, but yeah, it is absolutely effective. And I would say you multiply that sort of creativity um, across, you know, many species. And it's allowed us to offer a really unique, possibly the most diverse native selection in Texas, certainly in Austin. This is a key element to why this is important and why this is so unique. Because I think anybody who has gone out looking for native plants in our, you know, mainstream horticultural resource nurseries, uh, they're hard to find. And the reason they're hard to find is that they are often hard to propagate and then they're hard to keep in pots. And so the nurseries that have spent right. the time to, to invest in that knowledge, that experimentation, get it right, choose the ones that do hold well in pots in a nursery yard. Um, that's a valuable investment in our, our native plant and ecological gardening and in these spaces as community learning centers that Amy was referring to. Okay, there we go. That's my little bandstand, <laughs> Willie. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and Amy will talk a little bit more about this, but we do offer education. And um, a big part of that is to foster a community, a gardening community, um, a, a neighborhood community, uh, a children coming here on tours mm. with their schools. And, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is become an epicenter of all things ecology and, and plant related. And so one thing that's been a really great side effect of that is that when people have a rare seed 
and they want to see it out there. Maybe they have one strange Blanco crab apple in their backyard, and that's an endangered species out here. They know to bring us the seeds. And uh, we're super fortunate because there are people who are extremely edified um, authors and botanists, like I alluded to earlier, who know, well, if I bring Barton Springs that stuff, they've got a good shot at putting it out there. And so we'll make trades and we'll make deals. And sometimes people just drop off a big box of seeds or cuttings and we'll work with it. And um, so that's been a huge part of the community building that we've done and that Conrad and Bernadine before us is, is native plant enthusiasts have come to know us as, as a place you can come to find that stuff and come to, to bring us some. So um, that is a little bit of a, a tangent from what you asked, but that is so important to me and so important to our business. And, um, you know, it's just something I'm really, really proud of. But maybe I'll step back for a second and let Amy talk about some of the other things because we've got dozens, dozens. I just want to point out that one of the things that I loved so much, and it, I think, speaks to your kind of fresh um, style of as a threesome as well, is, and, and maybe it was there when the bearings were there, but I don't know, walking into the nursery and to see, you know, there's a shop, like a clear shop, but there's also the, the genus bar. Uh, so instead of the genius bar, it's the genus bar where you can learn about your plants and ask questions. And I was just like, oh, that's so good. Yep, that was Amy's idea. Um, like I said, she's a visionary. She's super <laughs> smart, and that was a clever way that we could have the community. You know, if they have a, let's say, they have a fungal pathogen or a pest or something they can't ID. Maybe they have a plant they love, and they're trying to, uh, you know, use the morphology of the leaf as a uh, an identifier. They can bring it in, and we have microscopes and books and a lot of really smart people, a great staff, um, who could take a look at that and help them out. Mm -hmm. And back to the propagation part of it, one of the things that we're just so excited about and as a designer that I think is so important is the more that we can have these relationships with everyone and um, with our landscape designers um, to have them tell us what they would like and for us to tell them what native plants we have that are available that are unique or hard to find. And the more that we can design around those plants and have them be a part of our designs for our landscapes, the more we'll have those plants. Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited about how we can hopefully change the landscape in general for it to be more sustainable. There's, you know, there, we still have plants that want plants that, you know, are just not appropriate for here. And the more that we can turn them on with these, you know, wonderful designs that do incorporate those native plants, the more that they'll be excited by them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that we're also really excited about the work that we do. Yeah. Well, and I think it is addressing this gap that many areas of the country are experiencing where there are, uh, there is such great uh, and in energized conversation in our gardening and horticultural worlds uh, that are encouraging people to plant natives, to think ecologically, to design differently, to not use chemicals. And yet we are having a tiny lag. And in some cases, it's it's more than tiny uh, between their ability to find a designer or an installer or someone who can maintain it, or the actual plants for it. Um, and so the supply and demand is still trying to catch up with each other at this point. But I think the model that Barton Springs is showing us 
proves that it is financially and audience-wise, uh, it's very viable. This is Cultivating Place. Amy Hovis and William Glenn are two of the three owners of Barton Springs Nursery in Austin, Texas, a native and climate-adapted plant nursery and grower with a strong focus on horticultural and ecological education and inspiration for staff and gardening customers alike. We'll be right back after a quick break with more, including their emphasis on education. Stay with us. Hey, this is Jennifer, thinking out loud this week. How about Barton Springs' other motto, where today plants tomorrow? Hmm. Never forget it, gardeners. We are planting and growing the world we want to see. We will keep trying to get it as right as possible. We're back now to our conversation with Barton Springs Nursery and two of its three owners, Amy Hovis and William Glenn. As we come back, Willie is sharing more about the legacy of Barton Springs Nursery and the importance of maintaining this legacy for Austin, Texas and the planet. You know, we come out of a legacy of, you know, the last half century where there was a lot of chemicals. There was an understanding that you had to use a lot of chemicals or that you had to use this certain kind of foundation shrub or, you know, your HOA may have dictated that you use a certain kind of turf grass that's inappropriate, et cetera, et cetera. But um, one thing that has Mm -hmm. been, it's one of my favorite things about being here, particularly when I'm working at the Genus Bar, is that, um, you know, to borrow a cliche, you know, it's about the journey, not about the destination. And I think that when somebody comes in and they want the destination, they want the big tree and they want the shrubs and they want to mature and all that stuff, um, you know, there's no rules. They should have fun. They should do what they want. But they're naturally, if they if they have a sense of, of camaraderie, if they have a sense of um, support, when they're here with with our staff, then they're naturally going to drift toward the the plants that bring the denizens, that bring the hummingbirds and the butterflies and the bees, because who doesn't want that sort of dynamism, and who who doesn't appreciate a a rain lily that just it's an ephemeral thing that just just pops up through, and all of a sudden your garden's different. So I I try to always remind anybody who who's getting started, you know. We'll just row you slowly from one shore to the other because it's a natural progression as people get interested in gardening. Um, that if you if you sort of foster a love for plants first, maybe it is something that's that's a water hog or it's something that won't do well. Um, but they're going to come along on that on that journey, and um, it's just finding that key, uh, that that keystone thing that that starts them. That's the catalyst towards a successful garden that inevitably they're going to arrive at a place where, man, I want to try that. I had no idea that salvia did mm. this, or I had no idea that many monarchs could be in my yard at one time. And, and to not get too esoteric about it, um, that's, it's a moving experience and, and humans are, are pre-programmed to enjoy that and to participate. So that's a heuristic we try to always 
you know, remember is that not everybody comes in with a great breadth of knowledge, but the instinct is there. And so getting them, even if they want a destination, they're going to get the journey. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love how that ties right into Amy talking about her own transformation in, in this work and her own recognition of, of what it brought to her life. And so let's keep going with the different aspects of what Barton Springs Nursery is, Amy. Um, and uh, I love that, you know, deeper conversation about the propagation because it's so important. Are all, do are all of your plants native or do you have a little bit of a mix with climate adapted plants as well? We have a little bit of a mix. Um, we, as you walk through the nursery, the nursery is divided by sun and shade and we feel like it's an experience. We invite people to, and welcome people to come and hang out there. Um, and they're, you know, they're water features and ponds and the bearings um, made these three ponds that are still there and um, doing really well with fish and turtles. And so the whole, the whole place is pretty magical with these oak trees. And so there's selections of really all kinds of plants and it's, um, we have display gardens as well. And so there's just, different staff members in every area that are experts in those areas. And it's just a great place to hang out. It's, you know, it's outside, it's in the middle of the city, but it feels like you're, you know, not in the city. And it's, um, it's a, a place where you don't have to feel like you're in a hurry. Um, not, not only nimble, but also knowledgeable, I think are the two words I would use to describe the importance of, of, independent, locally-based nurseries. And in our world where rents are rising and, you know, inflation and, and supply chain issues, our independent nurseries are very, very vulnerable. And so the more we can support them, the more they can then support us because there is nothing more horrifying to me than going into a big box nursery or a chain nursery and um, seeing invasive plants for sale or seeing them laden with neonicotinoids from, you know, whoever the grower was back in the, the seed stage and then the, the potted on stage. It, if you didn't know to look for those things, you wouldn't know what they were. And so you would unwittingly, you know, perpetuate them and be complicit in gardens making things worse instead of making things better. I couldn't agree more. And it's it's really important. And I think that as small independent garden centers um, continue to operate, perhaps in the shadows of these larger box stores, one thing that we can always offer and always outcompete is knowledge and passion. Mm. I mean, you come in here and you will meet some some of our young staff members that are fiercely passionate about using organics or natives and they're learning and they're they're sharing that. And that is such a treasure to us as owners that um, that this is so important to people because we also know our clientele, it's important to them. And um I, I, I just couldn't agree more with you about the sentiment that, that there are some very seemingly like opposed things. If you see a milkweed, for example, at a box store that has a sticker on it that says this was treated with neonics. Right, right. And you know that it's monarch uh -huh. food. You think, 
why in the world? But somebody has to teach somebody else that. And that's where we can always come in and, and really do good work. And I, I tell people all the time, this is noble. This is a noble thing that we're doing. We are, it might be a, a small, you know, sort of proxy for the larger environment, but if we can exemplify it well, and we're knowledgeable, and we're not making up answers when people ask us questions, then they will come to trust us, yeah. and they'll come back. And so that's what served us really, really well, and the bearings before us. Yeah. And I think, Amy, to bring your uh, view back in, uh, clearly you are also a passionate and knowledgeable plants person, but I think the key, one of the keys to accessing more and more people to become gardeners or embrace gardening is this incorporation of good solid design and approachable pleasant aesthetics uh, that incorporate the human i think it's it, it is a um a, a sad truth that in the last 10 15 20 years a lot of the you know quote unquote native plant gardening has resulted in some you know kind of um yeah, I'm going to use the word messy, which I don't really mind, but they're not exactly photogenic. So, so they're battling this idea of what is a garden and what is, um, what is refugia for us as humans, as well as our wildlife and your approach to solid design and classic aesthetics and, um, and beauty in a, in a, in a traditional, but also ecological way is a key element to accessing uh, people's passion. That's right. Um, one of the things that we have to work hard at is kind of, it's sometimes getting to know people so that we can make space for them outside because a lot of times they're thinking, oh, we just want this to look good. But if we can bring meaning into the landscape and tie them into that meaning, then we can hopefully get them outside. And sometimes, you know, one of the things we get most excited about is when clients call us later and say, oh, I didn't ever think I'd be outside having my coffee in the morning. And <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and then they get turned on. And it's just that one little thing, but it's so important. And it is really life changing. And, you know, we can go go about our lives never knowing that and so many people do and you know we're really fighting um screens with children and working hard you know that's a big part of the work that we do in trying to get kids you know interested in being outside again and um you know thinking of ways to make that happen um naturally so that they'll find that intrinsic value in it um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big challenge sometimes, but it just takes that one little thing to get them excited and then it grows and grows. Um, one of the things I was thinking as, as Willie was talking, um, one of the things we do with education is we do a, a huddle every morning with our staff and it's just an internal staff meeting, mm. but either Willie or Dave does plant of the day. And so we spend you know, at least 30 minutes um, talking about um, plants and educating our staff about plants. And to hear Willie and Dave is, I learn so much myself every time. Like I, there'll be plants that I use a lot and know a lot about, but 
what Willie and Dave bring to that plan of the day is really important. And our staff is just learning and learning and learning. And so I feel so proud that we're teaching, you know, all of these passionate people. And that's really, really what we're passionate about is really teaching and, um, you know, having that spark grow. And that, that's a, that's a, it's a lofty goal in trying to save our planet, but that's, you know, it's really what we believe in and it's really important to us. And so um, that educational component is what's going to really make a difference in all of our lives. And so we are not joking about it. <laughs> we are really working hard. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's contextualized in, you know, that story within a story within a story. I, you know, I think about the great state of Texas and in its wildflower mm. and plant diversity, uh, kind of nurturing Lady Bird Johnson and the Wildflower Center, nurturing and being a mother plant or a nurse plant to the region and the bearings being mentors and uh, nurturers of you all and you all being nurturers and tenders mm -hmm. of your staff and your community. And that is just, that is a model that we can pay forward and it will grow exponentially. And that is the goal. That's right. Is there anything either of you would like to add to that? Well, I I just wanted to, you know, I, I could riff all day on plants, mm -hmm. but um, I just wanted to, you know, I, one thing that's really important to me is the idea that we remember, you know, Rachel Carson and Eve Balfour and uh, the Rodales and Lewis Bromfield and all these people who had a fundamental belief that if you heal the earth, it'll heal you. And their their lineage is very much intact here. And I think that in terms of horticulture and gardening and design, it's really cool to see that, especially on the back end of COVID, um, a lot more people connecting with nature and understanding that there are resources, but they're not all necessarily from this year or last year. They might be from a century ago. Mm -hmm. And it's fantastic. I know in Europe, there's a lot of really deep rooted gardeners, generations. And I think that we're developing that here now again. And um, I just feel like a lot of the people to whom I look up are people that were pioneers and they were willing to take that chance and willing to be this juggernaut with their belief that they were doing the right thing as long as it was natural. And so I always like to, to bring up some of those names and just remind people that, hey, read those books. They're good. They might be 80 years old or 60 years old, but it's a lot of pertinent information that's more salient now, perhaps, than when it was mm. written. Amy, anything? Yeah, I would just say that um, the really the most wonderful part of my job is working with young people and seeing these really passionate, smart young people that are so creative and working with them and having such a great team that has um, this unified vision and working together with them. And that is such a joy. And Austin, I feel like we are so lucky because there's not competition between businesses in this industry. Like all of the nurseries can share information. We share information with all the designers and all of the designers and the nurseries and all of this industry can really work together and 
there's not competition. It's more of we all want this knowledge and we're all learning and we're all growing and we all want to learn together. And so that just feels so good and it forms such a strong community. And that is really such a joy that I just could not feel more excited and lucky to be a part of this. I would love to still take the five minutes and have each of you share with me, if you would, uh, you know, three or four or five plants you personally would not be without gardening there in Central Texas. Uh, if you have time for that, I would start with you, Willie, and then move to Amy. Absolutely. I'd like nothing more. Um, just five, right? Okay. Um, yeah, stay to, stay to five because we're yeah, we only have so much time. You got it. Um, I love the lacy oak. It's a native Texas tree. It is it's diminutive as compared to some of the the huge oaks that um, that typify the region. And I think for residential applications, it is magnificent. It has a blue gray foliage cover, kind of a, a canopy and um, sort of a tennis racket shape to it. Uh, just a nice tree, low maintenance, native, and fairly rare. Um, as far as a shrub, I think that the cherry laurel is one of our, our treasures here. It's a great privacy screen. It's also great for bees, easy to grow, and just a nice luster to the leaves. Um, and very tough. In the big freeze we had in 21, it was one of few things that pulled through. Um, the giant misflower, which is Chromalina odorata, is a native uh, misflower that is wonderful for the monarchs that are on their southbound voyage. Big shrub, semi-amorphous through its growing season, but then in about October, it explodes, and there will be so many mm -hmm. monarchs on one shrub mm -hmm. that you can hear them. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, I also love the Mexican honeysuckle. It's a justicia and it is one that can handle sun or shade truly and do well in both situations. A lot of plants make that claim, but this one actually walks the walk. And um, like I said, hummingbirds love it. And then finally, um, I'm a huge fan of the K-Rex um, genus and our one of our native ones here is, is anecdotally, we call it lawn sedge. It's a low growing evergreen sedge low water does great in shade and it's evergreen so as a lawn replacement super appropriate gorgeous deep green super low maintenance and just it makes this billowy sort of lawn if you plant it mass um that's just really stunning nice okay favorites. can you give us the latin name for that carex that one is carex levenworthii very good all right over to you amy my favorites are American Beautyberry, um, Conrad and Dave planted one on at the nursery and it's, it's stunning. And I love to put American Beautyberry on every project. Um, Greg's Mistflower, um, just because of course it, it's a magnet for butterflies. Um, and it just always does so well here in Texas. Um, Willy Stametti is my favorite ground cover and Yopon holly, I just love for its red berries and it's it just is so successful here and it's always stunning. And um, gopher plant is another favorite. I think I'm in <laughs> love with it so much because after the last huge freeze, I just, you know, everything was just not doing well. And I went to a project and it was just stunning. It was just so perky and full of bloom and didn't mind the freeze at all. It just did its thing. And so I will forever love it for that reason. 
Well, the two of you, the three of you, all of you there at Barton Springs Nursery are living up to the Bearings motto of today plants the future and um, encouraging and supporting us all in raising our plant babies right uh, in, in their garden homes. So thank you both very much for being guests on the program today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. Likewise, thank you for having us, Jennifer. Barton Springs is an ecologically friendly, native and climate adapted plant nursery and grower and garden community and learning center in Austin, Texas. Since 1986, the owners and staff have been raising both plants and gardeners right. In 2021, Barton Springs Nursery succeeded from its original founders, Conrad and Bernadine Baring, into the skillful and passionate hands of garden designer Amy Hovis, horticulturalist William Glenn, and photographer and systems designer, Greg Thomas. Speaking of plants and place and those people and plants that encourage others, this week I have oaks on my mind. Maybe because the fat green acorns of my local blue oaks are beginning to fall here, with the acorn woodpeckers and squirrels quickly and noisily snatching them up. Maybe because of the remarkable diversity of native oak species generally, but maybe because oaks, like good nurseries and growers in our world, nurture myriad lives beyond just their own. This is why they're often known as keystone species in an ecosystem or mother plants in their immediate environments. In the beech family, Fagaceae, and the genus Quercus, oaks include an incredible 600 species native across much of the northern hemisphere, down to northern South America, and even India. More than 40 varieties of oak are native to California. Somewhere around 60 varieties are native to Texas and just under 20 in Florida. While Great Britain is home to only two native species, the oak is a signature plant and tree in the United Kingdom. And research there indicates that upwards of 2,300 other organisms rely on oaks for their life cycles. So if you live in the U.S. or the U.K. or anywhere else in the Northern Hemisphere, there is an oak for you. The many species and naturally occurring oak hybrids means oaks offer gardeners a lot of choice. Deciduous or evergreen, fast growing or slower growing, large or smaller, and all of them beautiful. Large, long-lived habitat and shade-providing oaks include Quercus rubra, the common red oak. Also, California's endemic native valley oak, Quercus lobata. And of course, the southern live oak, Quercus virginiana, famous in the southeast for its wide, low branches draped in Spanish moss. Very adaptable mid-size oaks include the burr oak, native throughout much of the central U.S. in the northeast, but west all the way to Montana. And its large acorns have those recognizably beloved and textural caps. For smaller, drier-loving choices, try the western natives, gamble or emery oaks, both of which can form great scrubby shrubs 
shrubs or small trees, and both of which are drought and climate tolerant across the U.S. Southwest and West. When you think of the word tree, it's the image of a large oak's wide, sheltering canopy that often comes to mind. An oak is the state tree of Maryland, Connecticut, Illinois, Georgia, New Jersey, and Iowa, as well as the official tree of Washington, D.C. Biologist and entomologist Doug Tallamy dedicated his 2021 book, The Nature of Oaks, to this greatest habitat-providing genus and why we should each individually or communally plant one or more oaks in our lifetime. Why? To feed us and our wildlife now, but more importantly, to invest in and vote for the food, shelter, biodiversity, and beauty of the next 200, even 400 years of birds, bears, bees, healthy forests, air, watersheds, and humans. When I consider the valley oaks, the blue oaks, the black oaks, the interior live oaks, even the oracle oaks of my region, and the legions of lives that grow from them, I know Talamy is right, and the oaks are right, and at home wherever you might be in the northern hemisphere. Plant one or ten and see the life you grow. For more on oaks and for my full conversation with Barton Springs Nursery, including the top five plants Amy and Willie would not garden without in Austin, check out this week's podcast, which you will find in the weekly show notes under the podcast tab at cultivatingplace.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen in next week when we travel further afield in conversation with Russian-born garden designer and plantswoman Anna Andreeva, who collaborated on the Ukraine garden at this last year's Hampton Court Show in the United Kingdom. She's currently working on her PhD under British plantsman Nigel Dunnett. It's a conversation very much focused on gardens as transcendent common ground. Join us. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio, a service of CAP Radio, licensed to Chico State Enterprises. Cultivating Place is made possible by listeners just like you. Thank you for all of your growing support. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler with tech and web support from Angel Haracha. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.